When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. to the From the Shadows podcast. I am your sort of sunburned host, Shane Grove. And with me, as always, is the super producer, Jason. What's happening, Jason? Greetings, everybody. I'm doing good. How about you? Are you too sunburned to do your job today or what? I, you know, I don't know. I got a little bit of sunburn, and that's a surprise because, you know, we just came back from vacation, and the sun was only out like a day and a half. And I still managed... <laughs> To somehow get sunburnt on my chest, which, um, you know, nobody really wants to see anyway, you know, because, <laughs> you know, since we'll segue into the, uh, you know, into the Outer Banks history and lore, because my ch- chest certainly is a sunken tr- chest that is not full of treasure. <laughs> Do you have a, wait? Do you have the sound effect of the drunk? Dun, 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 you know, Come on. No. <laughs> I'll have to get that together for you. <laughs> Add that post production. Okay. Uh, well, well, as you know, Jason, it, we kind of we kind of put out there um, on an Outer Banks Facebook page and asked for some people's um, ghost ghost stories or, or paranormal experiences. Um, you know, just in the anticipation that we were going to be down there for a week and we might get to go do something cool. And, and actually, um, a, a very recent guest that was on the podcast, Chris from New Jersey, was somebody we uh, that responded to that post and told a couple of his uh, really cool uh, ghost stories from Pennhurst and Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of the other suggestions that I got from that post was that I needed to contact a young lady by the name of Julia uh, and that she knew a lot of lore, a lot of history uh, about the Outer Banks. And uh, so being somebody who follows directions pretty good most of the time, I got a hold of Julia. <laughs> oh, I didn't ask for that sound effect. What, what do you, what's going on? I was, I almost choked. 
<laughs> but uh, but uh, but based on um, you know talking to Julia, I ended up taking our group on a historical ghost tour of um, I don't know how I want to frame this. We we didn't go throughout the Outer Banks, but we met in a small town, and I know I'm going to butcher the name Manio, although it's not spelled that way. Maybe it's not even pronounced that way. I don't know. And uh, and she was a guide and took us on a little historical ghost tour. And, I mean, it was fascinating. You know, a lot of people go on vacations and don't really check out the history of the location they're at. And the uh, the Outer Banks and, and, the, and these areas were some of the first areas where people from other countries came to America. And kind of settled, and there's some great history there. And Julia is a fantastic guide. Uh, I can't even I can't even put it into words how much fun we had uh, going on this tour. So so I'm going to introduce Julia to the audience, and then I think by the time we're done talking, everybody's gonna gonna understand how much fun and how much information we got at the same time. Like it was fun to learn. Okay. You know, Jason, I find this, if she would have been my teacher in school. I might've learned something. I might, I might have. <laughs> now that's a heck of a compliment right there. Yeah. So, wow. so Julia, welcome to the program and uh, thanks for joining us so early in the morning. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it is a little early, but. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> now, before anybody like thinks we're terrible for having Julia get up at five o'clock in the morning, it's not that early. <laughs> but... no, okay. <laughs> so, Julia, do you want to, um, you know, introduce yourself to our fans and our listeners and let them know a little bit about yourself and how you ended up where you're at doing what you're doing, what you're doing. <laughs> Okay, well, that's sort of a long, twisted tale that we don't have a lot of time for, but hi, everyone. My name is Julia. I am a long-term resident here of Dare County. I've lived in the county full-time for 43 years. I graduated from high school in Manio. Yes, you did say it correctly. It's pronounced Manio. We do not pronounce the T because in the South, we don't have time for all those letters when we talk. yeah so yeah i went to school in maniel and through various things i've done a lot of theater work with the local community theater and stuff and i found an audition for this company and long story short long story short i have been a ghost tour guide for six years now walk around at night and tell some historical ghost tours and have some fun with some guests. It's a cool job. Well, yes. And, and, and so everybody in, in, uh, you know, the owner of the company and you, you know, we've all, we want to make everybody aware as we're telling this, like, we're not going on, we're not going to an old abandoned building and doing a ghost hunt with, e, you know, trying to capture EVPs and, no. uh, you know, now you do encourage. No, we're, we're not. We're not an investigation group. We yeah. walk around a waterfront. And we talk about some historical 
happenings here in the area and stuff. But yeah, no investigation or anything like that. But I'm sure there are locations around here that you could have experiences in, and there have been some experiences. And, um, and, and I saw firsthand some pretty cool pictures that, uh, that yes. you showed the group. Um, you know, that is a something that you encourage. You know, people to take a lot of pictures and then kind of share them with everybody if there's something. In fact, we took a picture. Uh, somebody in our group took a picture that um, sort of seems like there might be something in it. I think it's going to require a little bit more scrutiny, you know, before I throw it up there and say, hey, we think we saw – we saw a spirit or, or something unexplained, um, but uh, it, it, it really is a cool little, I will say this, that, you know, as we started walking around uh, Manio, it yep. really, it really, Manio. like Manio, when you, you really get, and I don't know if it's just your, you know, you, t- you know, the subjects we're talking about or how abandoned the town is after sundown. <laughs> but it really gives off some vibes like, hey, if you stick around long enough, something's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It really it really gives off some spooky little little vibes in this town, you know, which is kind of cool. And I, I didn't feel in danger or anything. I don't want anybody to think that. But it really felt it really felt like, hey, I think there are some ghosts hanging out around here, you know? <laughs> Manio can feel very lonesome and quiet at night. Yeah. You know, like you said, at, most of the shops close up about 5 o'clock, and it doesn't matter if it's January or July at 5 o'clock, their day is done and they're going home. And after that time, yeah, the streets get sort of empty, and it can feel a little creepy, especially when it gets so dark around there with no street light. Or <laughs> We're really selling the town, I think. We're really yeah, we are. <laughs> I'm, I'm visualizing it. I'm like, yeah, that's the perfect place. <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you, it would be, it would be the perfect spot for a, uh, for like a, like a sort of like a scary movie. Like just the atmosphere itself would be kind of cool. So, and and speaking of movies, okay, so oh. Julia, I the one the one thing I want you to kind of tell our guest is definitely the whole history and some of the stories from, from the movie theater downtown. Cause I know Jason will dig this and, and Julie, and we're, you know, we're in a movie that's coming out this summer. Jason and I are, and I, I don't know if it'll hit the screen in Manio, but it'd be super cool. I would make a special trip back down if it hit this, if it, if it made well, the I, I- and I will make the trip over to the Pioneer to see that movie if it's all, if it's being shown for sure. I'll definitely, definitely, because it would fit. It probably kind of fit the area. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So do you want yeah. to tell everybody about the the Pioneer Movie Theater down there? Yeah, it's called the Ye Old Pioneer Movie Theater, and it is said to be the oldest single screen, single family continuously run movie theater in America. It's been owned and operated by the Kreese family since 1918. So 103 years now they've been in continuous operation. Now they moved into their current location in 1934. (laughs) 
So they've been where they are now for quite a while. And they do one showing a night. Tickets are only $7 each. Their amazing popcorn and drinks are only $2 each. You know, so you can go and see a brand new first run movie for under, you know, $15 a person. Well, most theaters you can't even get into for that anymore. I know. You know, by the time yeah. you popcorn and a drink and a ticket, you're in a $75 night. <laughs> but the, yeah, but the pioneers, so they're, you know, they have a large capacity. They seat over 250 people, and they've got a huge, almost IMAX sized screen. So it's this really cool theater, and, you know, it just happens to be haunted. So, you know, that's just a little added bonus to the movies. <laughs> um, I love it Mr. already. Freak, yeah. H. A. Crease, the man that ran the theater forever, it seemed. He passed away a few years ago, but he is still with us in the theater. Jason, who works at the concession stand most nights, has had a number of experiences. He has been sweeping between the aisles after the shows, and he'll see strange, like shadows in front of the broom. Sometimes the broom will sort of stand itself up. Sort of Mr. Crease way saying, hey, you need to get to sweeping. Um, we have heard whistles, you know, that loud, sharp whistle in the auditorium, which was Mr. Crease way of signaling people. You know, he was, yeah. he was calling you out for something, he would whistle to get your attention. Just like he hated cell phones. And if he caught you with your phone out during the movie, he would take it from you. And he would give it back to your parents when they picked you up from the movie. Mm -hmm. And he would tell them, hey, you know, he or she, they were being rude with their phone. You need to teach them some manners. So, yeah, I mean, he didn't pull punches when it came to, you know, how you're supposed to act in a movie theater. You, Jason saw a girl come out of the theater one day with her phone in her hand like she was texting and he said it looked like somebody smacked the back of her hand because her phone flew up in the air and came crashing to the floor. Yeah, probably Mr. Creep telling her, hey, knock it off. <laughs> you're just, you're here to watch a movie and you're disturbing other people. I don't know. Yeah, so. I think, uh, most, mo I think most, most movie theaters could use a Mr. Creep. Yes, yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, he, he, that's perfect. Yeah, and his son, who runs it now, is just just like him. He's like, nope, you are not doing that in my theater and disturbing my other guests. And so, yeah, that apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> but, yeah, there have been all sorts of other experiences. Um, I had someone take a picture in the lobby one night, and when we looked through the pictures, they were standing on the ceiling, like, you know, upside down. We've had the same type of pictures taken out on the sidewalk in front of the box office under their sign, you know, people standing on their heads. Wow. Yeah. Most likely Mr. Creep messing with people. He had a really, really good sense of humor. He really liked to mess with people. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else goes on to Pioneer? Oh, uh, we've seen orbs in the auditorium. I had some girls go in to use the restroom one night 
And the girl didn't lock the door when she went in because her friend was just standing outside of it. And when she went to come out of the bathroom, the door was locked from the inside. That's probably Mr. Kreef telling her, uh, you need to lock the bathroom door when you're using it. Manners, courtesy, don't let someone walk in on you. So that's happened. I had someone go in the bathroom, and while they were in there, they said the doorknob was rattling. They came out wanting to know who it was, and it's like, no, sorry. We've all been standing right here. It wasn't any of us. Her friend said, that's okay. I don't have to go that bad, and refused to use the bathroom after that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, on 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 a side note, the two days, the next day after the ghost, after we went on the ghost tour, uh, our whole group was at a restaurant eating, and the and the guy, the Jason's Todd, Todd, Todd's who I went on vacation with. Todd went into the bathroom at the restaurant we were at, and his wife, because it was one of those restrooms where it was guy girl, you know, restroom. So okay. his his wife then went back to is like oh, I'm going to use re-, went to open the door. And Todd didn't lock the door, so. <laughs> Apparently, Todd didn't remember the lesson from the ghost tour <laughs> of lock the door. <laughs> and and when he and when she came back out and told us that, I was like, "God, where did I where did I just hear that about locking the bathroom door?" And you just reminded me <laughs> it was from the ghost tour. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. That's I'm funny. That's <laughs> but, uh, funny. And then when Todd listens to this episode, he's going to be like, I can't believe you just told everybody that. Sorry, Todd. Anyway. <laughs> Todd, you've been outed. I bet you'll lock the door from now on. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you, um, now, the one, one really cool story that you told that just blew my mind was the one about the actress or the, or the, the lady who ended up her name was her name was Brenda Holland. She was a makeup artist with the Lost Colony uh, in 1967. And unfortunately, she was found murdered one night. She had been strangled to death and she was found at the foot of the old Man's Harbor Bridge. Now, we don't know what actually happened to Brenda. They had, the story has been told that she had stayed with her boyfriend that night and she had gotten up early in the morning to walk home. Because in those days, the actors and the technicians, they lived with families in town. They didn't have their own place to live. After Brenda's murder, a local doctor donated money and land to build an apartment complex for the actors to live in. So they now have their own community. It's called Morrison Grove. And that was directly a result of Brenda's murder. But for Brenda, she had, you know, stayed over with her boyfriend. She got up early in the morning to walk home. And that was the last time she was ever seen alive. She was found five days later, strangled to death at the foot of the old Man's Harbor Bridge. Now, there were a couple of theories as to what happened. One being that there was a quote-unquote serial type killer in the area that summer and that he may have gotten her. Unfortunately, the more likely or plausible story is that she was murdered by a local dentist who was known for fits of alcoholic rage. 
and him and his wife had had a huge fight that night, and she had run away. Well, unfortunately, Brenda and the dentist's wife were very similar looking. You know, same sort of body shape, build, same sort of hair. So we think that Brenda may have been murdered by mistake, you know, sort of mistaken identity. But we may never know because all the accusations against the dentist were very quickly and quietly swept under the rug. I don't know why. I do not want to speculate uh, because the FBI has reopened Brenda's cold case because we've passed the 50th anniversary of her death. But the dentist and the sheriff were best friends. There were Lodge brothers together. So, you know, everything sort of got quietly sort of swept under the rug, so to say, so to speak. And then a few years after the murder, the dentist committed suicide. And he left no confession, no note. So I guess unless maybe we hold a seance and talk to the dentist, we may not, we may never know. But like I said, we, the FBI has reopened the case, and we're hoping that as people get older, that maybe they'll remember something or be willing to talk about it. And we're hoping to find some evidence to finally find out what happened to Brenda. Brenda's probably not from the area either, right? I mean, she wasn't from that area. She was just there for the the lost colony production. Yeah, Exactly. She was here working with the colony. And I am not sure where Brenda was from. And I should probably do a little research so I know that, because that might be a good piece of information just to have when people ask me questions on the tours. I try to say, oh, that's a good question. I'll have to dig up that answer so I know for the next time. Maybe I'm worth something. Maybe I'm worth something. So the interesting thing. You are. (laughs) So the the craziest part of the story, though, is is what you're going to tell next. Right, right. You have to have the background of who Brenda is and what happened to her to understand what happens next. So the next summer, the summer of 68, on the night that the Lost Colony was dark, that they didn't have a performance, Mr. Creek would invite the colonists, the actors and the technicians, into the theater to watch that week's movie. In those days, they had a new movie every Friday night. They, They will now run a movie for more than one week. But in those days, it was every Friday there was a brand new movie. So he would invite the colonists in to watch that week's movie. So the next summer came along, 68, and the colonists came in to watch a showing of the movie, No Way to Treat a Lady. There's a scene in the movie where a man is reading a newspaper. And the people in the audience said that the man turned the page and some sort of smoke or mist came off of the paper And there was Brenda Holland's obituary. Well, needless to say, this freaked them out out a bit. So they went to projectors, told them what they'd seen, rewound it, replayed it. And sure enough, the man turned the page. That smoker mist came off the paper. And sure as fire, there was Brenda Holland's obituary. It's not part of the movie. No other screen of the movie in the Pioneer 
or any theater in the nation ever reported seeing Brenda Holland's obituary. It only appeared to the people she had worked with the summer before. So, yeah, Brenda wanted to let them know, hey, I'm still with you. Thanks for thinking of me. So, yeah. That is the... (laughs) That is one of the spookiest things I've ever heard in relation to, I mean, to manipulate, to manipulate what people are seeing on the screen and then have it, have the projectionist rewind it and then see it again is, is so crazy. Like that, that should be like one of the best movie urban legends of all time. Yeah, Yeah, it should be up there. That's for sure. Yeah, so you definitely worth coming down to the Pioneer and checking out a cool movie. And you never know. You pull out your cell phone. See if you can, uh, no, no, no. See if you can make I'm... Mr. Grief mad. No. <laughs> I don't want to provoke his wrath myself. <laughs> no way. Although, I got to admit, the $2 popcorn is very tempting. Yes, sure. it is. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's really oh, it's what... good popcorn. It, and it... they have... And they have that really good crushed ice in their drink. Oh, that's the best. All movie theaters should still have that. Yeah, and you'll see that people will pull up to the Pioneer and just get popcorn and a drink. They're not there to see the movie. They're just there to get a popcorn and a drink and take uh, it home. <laughs> well, I just, when, they were, it, when they were closed. They couldn't show movies. Mm-hmm. They were open from six to eight every night, selling popcorn and drinks at the curbside. That's brutal. Because everybody had to stay home to watch to watch movies. They could, I mean, for two hours, you could sell all kinds of popcorn and drink. Probably people people oh, knew yeah. and wanted. To, oh, oh yeah. yeah and their I, popcorn I, is so good that, like, if one of the local churches is having a movie night, mm-hmm. they will go to the Pioneer, and you'll see like a. One of those big black, like fifty-five gallon trash bags, sitting on the floor, full of popcorn <laughs> for the church their movie night. Uh, that's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I, hey Jason, this is a really—I mean, we didn't get to go in, but you look from the outside of the building, and it's kind of like to tell me that there's an IMAX-sized screen in there and and seating for two hundred people. I'd say you're nuts. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. just a little screen with 50 seats in it. So I am looking forward to at some point in the future going back and actually going to a movie there. I think that would be I think that would be kind of a cool experience. Oh, that would be awesome. Yes. If I lived yes, around there, would. I would probably go at least once a week because I'm known to go yeah, see no, a but... movie more than once. <laughs> well, and when they reopened after the pandemic, they had limited seating. And so they were showing older movies. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Pioneer and I saw Jaws on the big oh. screen for the second time. Oh, so nice. that was awesome. They yeah. showed Shrek. I wanted to go back and they showed The Wizard of Oz. Ooh. And I really wanted to go see that, but um, I had a heart attack, so I was in the hospital instead. But that's a different story for a different day. Mm. <laughs> no, we're glad you, was, glad you made it through. <laughs> I hope it wasn't oh, yeah. too much oh, yeah. butter on the popcorn. You know, that's not yeah. very good. 
Yeah, it's going to take more than a heart attack to stop me, so. <laughs> well, so another really, really cool story from the area, and I don't think people that even go on vacation down there realize exactly where they're at, but you, you mentioned uh, the Lost Colony a couple times, and people are always thinking, what the heck's a Lost Colony? But, I mean, of course, all of us conspiracy theorists theorists and uh you know paranormal paranormal lovers know what the lost colony is and its place in american history um you want to kind of share what what (coughs) that is down there and and then maybe uh you know some other ghost stories this this is where america truly began on roanoke island north carolina in 1587. There were actually three attempts, 1584, 1585, and 1587. 1584 and 1585 were both military-type expeditions. You know, all men coming over, seeing what was doable, what wasn't, you know, all that stuff. So the most famous voyage is the 1587. That is the first voyage that contained women and children. And that is the voyage that contained Governor White, his daughter, Eleanor, and her husband, Ananias Dare. Now, this was not a fun trip at sea. This was three solid months at sea. The ships were overcrowded. There was little or no ventilation. There was little or no sanitation. And Eleanor made the trip about six months pregnant. So, yeah. Three solid months at sea being six months pregnant. Oh, how miserable could have that have been? But because of that, on August 18th, 1587, the very first English child in the New World was born, a young girl named Virginia Dare. And I talk about on the tour that I try to really impress upon people that this is where America began, Roanoke Island. It didn't start in St. Augustine, Florida in 1565 because, I'm sorry, we did not win our independence from the Spanish. We bought them out down there in 1814, and Jamestown didn't get going for another 30 years, not until 1607 in the next century, actually. So 1587, Roanoke Island, North Carolina, truly is America's beginnings, and it's right here in Manio. We have... The um, Fort Raleigh National Historical Site, and then the Lost Colony Theater, which is America's longest-running outdoor drama. They've just opened for their 84th production season. A few years back, the Lost Colony received a Tony Award for Excellence in Theater. So it's a Tony Award-winning show, and they tell the story of these colonists. So what we know of the colony, I mean, these people have been lost, but what we know of it's been fairly well documented. You know, we've got the play, we've had books, we've had movies, we've had TV shows. Some of them are pretty accurate. Some of them are way out in left field. Some of these people need to be wearing tinfoil hats. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, I've had people tell me that they truly believe that wraiths, you know, like evil spirit wraiths, 
killed all the people on the island. It's like, where are you coming up with this information? (laughs) I've lived here for over 40 years, and I've never heard of rapes on Roanoke Island. So, you know. Yeah, so... If there are rakes on Roanoke Island, don't go back. I've spent a lot of time on the grounds of the Lost Colony, and they are gorgeous, absolutely beautiful grounds. Definitely have to visit them, whether you're going to see the play or not. If you're not, you know, if you're not into going on them at night when it's sort of dark and get sort of really creepy go back during the day because they're just not to be missed there's been all sorts of activities um people being the last people in the theater at night have heard singing coming from the stage we don't know who it is it could be native americans it could be colonists could be echoes of 80 some years of drama i've never heard the singing but i did hear the murmur of audience noise come from the stage area one night. I've actually heard that twice. So that's definitely echoes of drama past. The men's dressing room that they use for the show is so haunted that actors will not go in there by themselves after dark. They have heard footsteps, voices, and they've seen costuming move. For a number of years, I was a member of the Ghost of the Lost Colony show. You know, there's sort of a pattern or a theme to my life, it sort of seems. <laughs> it isn't a bad thing. At least it's something fun. <laughs> and so um, I was in the men's dressing room setting up for the show one night. And as I was getting ready to walk out, I heard footsteps in the hallway behind me. Now, I knew I was the only person in that building. But you have to turn around to look because that's just human nature. So sure enough, I turn around to look and there was no one there. So I just called called down the hallway and I said, hey, I've got a show tonight. I'll be back later. And I walked out. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. sort of that if you talk to a ghost, they just want you to know that they're there, which is why they're making noise and stuff. So acknowledge them. Say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, so from that night on, when I'd open up the dressing room, I'd just sort of call into the building. Hey, how you doing? You got another show. And as I was closing it up for the night, I'd say, hey, that was a good show tonight. I'll see you tomorrow yeah, or whatever. And they never bothered me again. So that was it. Um, there have been all sorts of experiences. The reconstructed earthen mounds that mark one of the original defensive forts for the colonists. People have heard musket fire come off of them. People have also seen strange lights over them. And a couple of people have reported seeing armed guards standing near them. Now, I've never seen the guards or heard the musket fire, but I have heard a sharp, shrill whistle come off of the ground off the mound. Some of the park rangers that do, they do um, little guided tours of the grounds through the historical site that you can take with a park ranger. And I had a park ranger tell me that while they were sitting at the mounds talking about the colonists, that one of the guests said, well, who's he? And they all looked up 
and a full body apparition of a guard in armament just walked past them. That was pretty cool. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, the community theater was doing a show in their soundstage and one of the teenagers went up to use the bathroom in the rain shelter and she was greeted by a full body apparition of an of a soldier in full armament, you know, carrying a halberd and you know the metal pointy armored helmet, you know, the whole nine yards. That poor child will not go to the bathroom by herself there anymore. <laughs> poor girl. Uh, what else is happening? No. Oh, the Indian drums. People have been in the maritime forest between the Lost Colony grounds and the Elizabethan Gardens next door. And you know, they've been there in the evening, jogging, walking their dogs. It's a beautiful maritime forest. Well, everything will be fine. And then they say, all of a sudden, all the hair stands up on the back of their neck. And they get that creepy, I need to get out of here. And I need to get out of here now feeling. And then they start to hear very loud, very aggressive sounding Indian drums beating in the woods. And they say that feeling is so creepy that it doesn't leave them until they're in their vehicle and almost completely off of the property. One year for the ghost show, I was the Indian drums in the woods every night. And I never had any problems with drums, but I did hear almost nightly at the same, about the same time, soft, distant bagpipe music. And yet, bagpipe music isn't something that you easily mistake for something, you know? Oh, and so I didn't think that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's pretty unique. So I didn't if someone on the north end of the island is playing bagpipes, who cares, right? Well, I just happened to mention it one night in the dressing room to my fellow actors. And they looked at me and they said, what bagpipes, Julia? I don't hear bagpipes. And I looked at this one girl, I'm like, Annette, you are less than 100 yards through the woods from me. And she was. I mean, she was right through the woods next to me. She didn't hear them. It's like, oh, great. Just what I needed to know. Fortunately, I found a friend who had done the show for years, and he had heard bagpipes. So I know I'm not alone. Thank goodness. But there's no. Oh, yeah. But there's no. What would be the reason for bagpipes, even ghostly bagpipes? <laughs> you know, I mean. Um... If you find out, let me know, because I am clueless. Yeah, I have no idea. I Nobody think the does. next time, the next time somebody sees. You know, one of those full-bodied apparition, apparition, apparitions. They need to ask, "Hey, what happened to the gloss column?" Right. You know, maybe maybe somebody will answer. I don't know. You know, they might that's answer in the awesome. EVP. Yeah, but that's oh, but yeah. that whole. But I have seen you know, and and of course, the lost count. You know the the. Lost Colony mystery itself. I, I mean, I've seen some really cool, uh, you know, documentaries on that and heard some, heard some, um, great podcasts on that mystery. And, uh, I think that you, you mentioned that there, there's a couple archeological digs going on right now that may shed some light on that, uh, on what happened or where those colonists 
actually ended up. <laughs> yeah, and the lead archaeologist for that is a guy by the name of Scott Dawson. And Scott has just published a book called The Lost Colony and Hatteras Island. And that talks all about the colony and his archaeological digs and what they are finding. Uh, he used to come, uh, I worked at a convenience store that he used to frequent, so I'd always ask him, because you know, I'm just nosy like that. I'm like, hey, Scott, you finding anything? You know, I'm curious. I want to know. And about a year or so, maybe a year and a half ago now, because you know, 2020, we all just lost that year. Nothing happened that year. <laughs> um, right. He came in one day and said, hey, finding anything, anything going on? He says, yeah, as a matter of fact, we just found a fully intact French pistol that still had a flint in it down in Hatteras. Now, how did the English, I mean, the English came over, not the French. And so the best speculation we have for that is that one of the Englishmen had traded for it. And had brought it with them. So, I mean, they're, they are finding stuff. Seriously finding stuff down on Hatteras. So, that is, uh, that's kind of cool to, to think that all the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later that you might be able to find an answer just from, um, you know, digging around. Because that, that landscape changes constantly being so close oh, yeah. to the ocean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the, you know, I'll have people ask me because when the um, colonists left their fort, Governor White had gone back to England for supplies, and he told them before he left that if they have to leave the fort for any reason, to carve on a tree or a palisade where they were going. And so when the colonists. When Governor White finally got back to the fort, it was actually three years later, um, he found two carvings. One said CRO and the other says Croatoan, which sort of leads him to believe that maybe the Croatoan Indians on Hatteras Island had taken in his people. But the um, the Indians, you one tribe was friendly, one tribe wasn't. So we don't know what could have happened to these people. You know, the Indians could have taken a man. The, um, they could have been killed off by disease. They have done some work. They've done some investigation on trees in the area and come to find out that during that time, like 1588, 1589 in that area, that we were in the middle of a severe drought. And that that could have helped contribute to the demise of the colonist. So well, yeah, see, they, they, well, they I, I don't think I mean, and I've never heard that they found a lot of human remains there, right? Like that they no. all passed away there. Like so, they obviously left the island. And right, uh, one of the one of the interesting things I heard and have read is that 
there were rumors, you know, because that's all there were is people talking back in those days of some of the Indian tribes up and down um, in that area having people or, you know, members of those tribes that were obviously of mixed race, you know, race that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we like have, redheaded, like redheaded Indian, like a redheaded Indian. <laughs> or, you know, have, it's like. We have 100% Native Americans in the area that have blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm sorry, but if you are Native American, you have dark hair, dark eye, and dark skin. I mean, that's just the genetics of it. Right. And you don't get blonde hair and blue eyes unless you breed with the English. Yeah, that's a that's a great that's one of America's greatest mysteries, and uh, for sure, and it's it's so cool though to be down there, and you know you're out on the beach, and I think we talked about you know how many shipwrecks there were in the area, and oh yeah, you just think you just think ah, oh, this is this is just very commercialized area, you know, seafood restaurants, ice cream places. Uh, condos, nice houses, but you don't realize that not really that long ago, it was just beach and, and, and scrubbing, you know what I'm saying? It was wilderness and yeah. people were landing yeah. there for the first, first time trying to make their, make their way inland. And I can't even imagine, you know, I've seen the lots where, um, it's that real thick, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but to me it's like brush and, uh, it's not tr- it's not trees. It's not grass. It's the stuff, you know, that would just exactly only grow. what it is. It's just yeah. I can't imagine mm-hmm. making your way through that just to see if there's an, an inhabitable piece of land somewhere yeah. or, or fresh water. So to yeah. sit there and think about that history and then uh, of what this pl- you know place was, and that's just a small part of America. But it's a very rich, obviously a very rich history, you know. And we haven't even gotten into the the pirates and everything else that goes on down there. So, no. And one of the things that um, we don't talk about on my tour, because it's not really this along the same lines of what I'm doing, is the Wright brothers. You know, yeah. this is where the Wright brothers flew. So this really, truly is. Our nickname is the Land of Beginnings, and it really, truly is fitting because this is where America began, year 1587 with the Lost Colonists. This is where aviation began with the Wright brothers in 1907. Jason, do we have to tell her? The Wright brothers are really from Ohio, and they just went down there on a vacation and happened to. Uh, no, sweetheart, they came down here to fly because Ohio <laughs> wasn't suitable for it. <laughs> oh, we are Boulder famous for our wind. <laughs> we are famous for our wind. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's I, funny. We'll have people down here on vacation, and, you know, and they'll get to blowing down here. I mean, it'll get to be blowing you. 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, and that's just the way it is down here. And I've had people go, oh, my goodness, it's so windy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I just look at them and say, we're famous for our win. The reason the Wright brothers chose this place. Yeah, that is that is true, though. 
Yeah, there is. A, I mean, there is a lot of fantastic history down there. It's not just a place to uh, just to go and get sunburn on your sunken treasure chest. Trust me, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff to do. Now, you know, Julia, have uh, have you had any other paranormal type experiences down there while you've been uh, a sh- short, long term resident of the uh, of Manio? I did have one really weird experience on the grounds of a lost colony. Yeah, we keep coming back to the colony. Okay. Um, one night, it was after, I don't know, maybe after one of the ghost shows one night, me and a couple of actors were just hanging out in the parking lot by our cars. You just talk, I mean, that's what actors do after a show. They just sort of hang out for a while and chit-chat about who missed their cue and, you know, whatever happened during the performance. So we're talking. Now, park rangers get off work at 5 o'clock at night, seven days a week. They are never on the ground after then. So it's probably about 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock at night. And we look up and we see headlights coming through the parking lot. Well, it's unusual because, you know, we're the only people there. So we watch, and sure enough, it's a park ranger which was in itself weird at 10 o'clock at night. So he just pulled up and said, hey, what are y'all doing? It's like, oh, you know, we're part of the show. We're just hanging out. He's like, oh, have a good night. And he drove off. Well, as he drove off, all three of us looked the way he was going and followed his taillight. And about that time, about maybe 100, 200 feet over top of the tree line, this bright yellow light suddenly appeared. Then two red lights appeared on each side of it. Then the yellow light in the middle blinked out. The two red lights blinked out and it was gone. And about 10 seconds later, we all heard and felt this low level sort of rumble. Sort of, it almost felt like it was coming from the earth, this sort of rumble and shaking. And that lasted for maybe a minute. And then maybe 10 minutes later, if that long, uh, two or three fighter jets came screaming overhead in the same direction that the lights were headed. So that was probably Cherry Point. You know, we have Cherry Point Military Base, Air Force Base, not far from us. So they probably scrambled fighters from Cherry Point or possibly from Norfolk you know, Naval Air Station to figure out what these lights were. So, yeah. So that was sort of an interesting night on the colony ground. <laughs> and I will attest to being out like you're if you're out there on the beach at all, there's a military helicopter or plane that goes over at least once while you're out there on the beach. So there's, there is military traffic there right? and it's, it's not. Yeah. And I think you telling that story added another twist to what happened to the <laughs> colonists of Rona. What, what if a UFO, what, a, what if that's what happened to the colonists at Roanoke? Mm. Right. See, th- those are your tinfoil. Those are your tinfoil people. 
They're the ones hey. who think that uh, UFO landed and took them away. Hey, look. You, you were, were you wearing your tinfoil hat that night? That night the party? Yeah. <laughs> I must have because they didn't take me. I mean, maybe uh, maybe there's a reason there's a couple military bases real close by to that area. Yeah. Holy smoke. Well, and, I mean, and we just do get adds- a lot of military traffic because we do have a bombing range out on the western part of the county out in Stumpy Point. That is a military practice bombing range. So you get, you know, they come down here to do bombing run. So, yeah, military traffic over in our airspace is very common. And I think we've, if anything, we've learned in the last year when it comes to uh, the military and unidentified uh, aerial phenomena or whatever they're calling it now. Right. They go in hand. So if we're going to see military planes, we're probably going to see some stuff that uh, we don't know what it is and they don't know what it is because they've admitted as, as much. So that just adds that just adds to the whole um, a layer to Yeah, to, to what's going on down there. So and I, I got to admit, I'm envious of uh, of of you getting to number one, live down there and live in the park that's a little less commercialized. Okay, you get to enjoy what it's really all about, you know, living on the water and enjoying the beach and and but the history that you get to be a part of on a uh, you know uh, you do the tour what three nights a week or four? Uh, we do it three nights a week. Three nights a week. I mean, that just has to be. Um, I mean, that's like that's the job everybody wants is to get to go talk about ghosts and history and. And uh, all the cool stuff, and then li- and do it in a place like that. I mean, it, I my hats off. I mean, you you in my book, uh, I think you got the dream. You got a dream job. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And we even do it in the off season. You know, after well, after Labor Day, or so we'll go to two nights a week to Wednesdays and Saturdays. And if somebody calls us in January. And says, hey, can I do a ghost tour? I will bundle up and I'll go do a ghost tour in the middle of winter. <laughs> you heard it here so, first. Yeah. Yep, that's dedication right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've got plenty of clothing. You know, I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I have like the power man. I have like you know, 27 layers. <laughs> well, I would, I would strongly encourage. Um, any of our listeners from all around the world, if you get, you're going to plan a vacation and you've never, you've never been to the Outer Banks uh, or the area, you know, number one, go check it out. It's a great place to go and, and spend a week. Do a do a Google shirt search, find historical ghost tours, and you're going to find Julia, and go take a ghost tour. It'll be super informative it'll be fun and record and not that the other tour guides didn't seem like they were fun or informative but no i don't think anybody leads a tour quite like julia does so okay. so so i encourage everybody that um you know is into history and into just having some fun you know to come down and see it i'd love to see them all on a tour that would be great <laughs> 
Well, Julia, it, I I want to I want to thank you for uh, getting up early and hanging out with us. You know. Um, You're welcome, Shay. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you for hosting us the other night. It was a lot of fun, <laughs> and, and we had a lot of welcome. learned a lot of stuff. The only person apparently didn't learn anything was Todd. You know. And, uh, <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. I I will. I wish I was there. It was fun. It was it, fun. And you'll yes, have to so come I, along. Yes. Yes. Right <laughs> well, Jason's the guy that uh, when you ask, does anybody have any questions? He, he'd have kept us there for another 15 minutes. <laughs> so I've been people like that before. I know how to handle them. Keep asking, you keep asking. I'll start answering the questions as we're walking. Like, let's walk and talk. Let's keep It keeps things right on pace, then. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, yeah. Well, Julia, well, Julia, thanks, thanks for spending some time with us. It was great to meet you. And um, well, when we get back in, into t- into that area, we'll come back and see you again. And uh, if anybody has any other cool stories from that area, be sure to sure to get a hold of us. Because it, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's I, I got your number. I know where to find you. <laughs> All right. I, yep. I, appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, yep. well, thanks again, Absolutely. Julia. And you, you have a great day and a great, hey, great rest of the season. You know, hopefully, yes, hopefully, hopefully it's eventful. So, so we'll talk. So, tomorrow night. Okay. All right, well, we'll talk to you, Julia. Thank you again so much. All right, thanks, Julia. Thank you, Shane. Have a wonderful day now. Yep, Yep, you too. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. (laughs) <laughs> God only knows what's hiding in our shadows. God only knows what's hiding in our shadows. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.